This is HPR episode 2683 entitled Using Open Source Tools to Visualize the Heart Rate and Blood Oxygen Saturation Level of My Stepchild. It is posted by Arun Patton and is about 32 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is Using Open Source Tools to Visualize the Heart Rate and Blood Oxygen Saturation Level of My Stepchild. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. and welcome to my third podcast so if you've never heard my any of my podcast well i guess you don't <laughs> you haven't missed anything but um well i like to do it uh so i made uh, uh, two prior podcasts and i thought let's give it a try again this time is a much more personal subject it's much more close to me and uh, at the same time i want to tell you all a technical story so Bear in mind that everything I tell you is the truth, only the truth and nothing but the truth. So it's it's based on, on stuff that actually happened. Um, and uh, it, so it's, it's a human story, but at the same time it has a very technical um, uh, dimension that I uh, want to share with you all. So um, the title of this, uh, um, this, this, this podcast would be if, if I... If I I did a talk about three years ago at a conference, and that's the only time I I did this presentation. So this is, it, in a way, it's the second time. Okay, so the title was using Python, PHP, jQuery, and MySQL and Linux to visualize the heart rate and blood oxygen saturation level of my stepdaughter. And well. You guessed by now, it, that's a personal story, and it is. So, um, I'm going to tell you who am I. Eh? Let's make it a, a, a sort of a, a semi-formal introduction. Who is Anushka? Anushka is the child in question, but more on that later. Uh, what happened? What did I do? How it all worked out? And at the end, um, the end. And they all lived happily ever after. So, I already... Uh, spoil, it was spoiler alert, you know, it has a happy ending in a way. Okay, so, more about me. My name is Jerome Batten. Um, anyway, if you would pronounce it in Dutch, wh- where I'm from, it's Jeroen Batten. So, if you want to visualize that and you're Spanish or English, uh, if you would you do a Y-E-R-U-N and pronounce that in English, then you have something that sounds pretty familiar to Jeroen. Anyway, I've been an open source geek since uh, 1997. By now, I'm almost 55. 
Um, even when this is broadcast, I've uh, I believe two weeks left before my uh, my birthday. I've written several books on Linux and open source, uh, both for educational purposes, also for managers. Um, so these days, I call myself an IT solutionist because I like to solve problems. Uh, I used to be a volunteer firefighter, so I did that, and I was also active in the Boy Scout movement. Um, at home, we drive uh, um, an adjusted uh, uh, Opel Vivaro van. Uh, Vauxhall would be the brand in, in the UK. Um, and it's adjusted because it's adjusted for a wheelchair. Um, and uh, more on that later. But uh, <laughs> on the side, on the both sides of the van is a very big uh, tux. That was a present from my wife. Uh, one, of our, uh, one of my birthdays uh, about 10 years ago. Um, and we have a family. We have a family with only daughters. So uh, all in all, we have five daughters. Um, we are extremely proud of every child. Uh, two of them are severely disabled. It just That's the way sometimes uh, stuff goes in life. It just happens. And it just happened to me and it happened to my wife. So I had three daughters. She had two. And when we met up, well, we ended up with five children. Um the oldest one is just graduated from university and is an actual doctor and is working in a hospital, so we're very proud of that as well. Um, but uh, um, uh, and 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 two others are still in 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 college, uh, studying, and uh, well. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Anushka. Anushka is uh, the the youngest daughter of my wife. She by now is twenty one. So she was born uh, in 1997, and when she was born, she was diagnosed with what's called spina bifida. In her case, spina bifida aperta, uh, L3 to L5, which means that she has um, a spinal cord um, opening, in a way, that was um, created at the very first weeks of pregnancy, and um, it has affected her uh, um, uh, ever since, of course. Uh, she can't walk. She can move her legs, uh, but it's more erratic than anything else. Um, but due to this, she also gets uh, a malformation in the skull, which is called Arnold Chiari malformation. She has what's called hydrocephalus um, and for that she has a drain in her head. And, um, well, up till today she has had 43 surgeries in her life. And then there's the extra number of hospital sessions for pneumonia um, and, and, and other stuff. Uh, we stopped counting. So all in all, she has been in the hospital many, many, many times. And so did we. Um, when I met her, she was 10 so um i've i've sort of joined them in these kind of festivities and i mean that of course ironically uh for the last uh, 11 years uh she's very acquainted with hospital life she in a way it's oh do i need to go to the hospital that's fine because every thursday there are the clinic lounge so she she focuses on the good stuff that happens there not realizing that actually you should avoid 
being in the hospital as much as possible. Um, and, um, well, to give you an example, she at one point had a surgery to to s- straighten her spinal cord because she was, when you're, you're 15, 16 years old and you're always sitting in a wheelchair, you sort of your body... Your your spinal cord uh, is not a straight line anymore, but becomes a sort of an S figure, and uh, everything becomes shorter. All organs become packed together, um, and at the time that they uh, are think that that doctors say she's probably not going to grow anymore, that's the time when um, uh, they do these kinds of adjustments. So they straighten the spinal cord just by uh, well, pulling it straight, of course, when you're under uh, anesthesia, and then uh, putting two iron rods uh, parallel to your spinal cord. Um, it it does take about six weeks of recovery after that to to get acquainted your to get your body acquainted with the fact that you can't um, move your spinal cord anymore. But it, it strengthens you. It gives more room to your organs. So all in all, it um, it was um, it was an improvement, strangely enough. Um, anyway, um, so the surgery session we, where our journey today starts was uh, a couple of years ago when she had what I would call chronic pain in her her hip joint, in one of her hip joints. Uh, the side doesn't matter, of course. And the cause for that was that there's insufficient joint development simply because you're always in a wheelchair. So normal kids uh, who are standing, the hip joint uh, uh, cup is is created because, well, your body weight is pressing onto your leg. So it sort of forms itself just by playing and walking, etc. But if you are sitting and lying all your life, the, the, the hip joint doesn't really develop well. So the, there was some surgery necessary, and uh, actually they, they, they cut off the, the, the top of the uh, hip bone, rotated it 180 degrees, and, and, and put it back together, together with some metal and screws. And um, I, I won't bother you with the details why, but it, it, it was an improvement. But... And this is where it starts. Post-surgery, she had low oxygen levels during sleep. So during the day, no problem. Everything's fine. But during sleep, her oxygen levels uh, were decreasing. So th- there were some questions as to what's the source of this? How severe is this? Can we fix this? Those kind of questions that you ask yourself uh, at, at that particular point in time. Um, so... Uh, she was, of course, uh, taken care of by a pediatrician at, at a hospital. Uh, an excellent uh, pediatrician, by the way, excellent guy. So one of the things that was ordered was what's called a polysomnography. And a polysomnography uh, is, is a difficult word for, let's say, a 24-hour uh, monitoring of your oxygen levels during the day and during sleep. Uh, so it takes 24 hours. Uh, the result of it was that the oxygen levels were varying at night between 85 and 90%. So 
that doesn't seem to be too bad. 85, 60% to 90%. It's it's not alarming. Um, so the end conclusion of, of this polysomnography was that the values found were in the gray area. So it's not green, it's not red, it's in between, slightly orange maybe, but we call that a gray area. Um, so there were some, some measures regarding oxygen introduced at home. And the pedi- pediatrician said, if only we had more data. Dot, 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 dot. If only we had more data. But, but please, not a huge table with data. It, this was clearly a picture guy. And so uh, we came home, we went home, and we got two devices. Uh, as if we didn't have enough, but we got two devices. One was an oxygen concentrator, and the other is a saturation measurement device. So the oxygen concentrator is for producing uh, oxygen. Uh, we got a Philips Everflow oxygen concentrator, and no matter what people say, these things are loud at night. They they switch um, every so many seconds, and it bothers the hell out of me. Strangely enough, it doesn't bother the hell out of uh, Anushka, the, the, the child in question. She doesn't care. She just sleeps, which is, of course, marvelous, especially when you've got a device next to your bed that every um let's say every 20 seconds goes and then it's 20 seconds of silence and it's so um it annoys me it doesn't annoy her thank god for small fares anyway uh, the other thing we got was a saturation measurement for um correct level feedback and alarm and we got what's called a massimo red 8 RAD8 saturation measurement device. And that's where we begin. But, you know, I'm a nerd, I'm a geek, whatever. Um, and what is that I see on the back of the RAD8? Rat, rat well, believe it or not, it's an RS232 connector. It's a serial interface. Yay! Can I play with it? May I play with it? So I go... And Google the stuff, and I find the Massimo Red 8 user manual.pdf, uh, which clearly describes everything that this connector can do. And what does the manual say? Well, there are buttons um, uh, where you can set um, uh, the serial output uh, on and off. Um, and standard, it's 9600 baud. Uh, 8 bits, no parity, 1 stop bit, 1 start bit. So basically, very simple serial connection. And when I connect this to a Linux system, what do I get? I get a nice string that's output every 2 seconds that gives me a date, a time. Um, It gives me a serial number of the measurement we're talking about. It gives me the saturation percentage of of oxygen. It gives me a heart rate. And um, let's see what else. Some other stuff that's actually blank. So it's it's a generic uh, uh, serial uh, uh, library. And and the device does not... uh, uh, measure everything that's in the library, but it, it measures enough for us anyway. So, next uh, order of business, I create a database. I used MySQL, just, you know, simple. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, rock solid. It doesn't have to be enterprise ready. 
uh, it's just store some data and I'll look at it uh, in a later time. So I made a table with a few fields, you know, ID, timestamp, the data received. So that's the complete string. Uh, and f um, I, um, uh, I also made a, a separate field for the uh, oxygen percentage for the heart rate. And, and well, yeah, and the time. Oh, yeah. And the timestamp field that I got from uh, from the uh, from the device. Uh, and uh, I create some indexes and I'm ready to go. So I start programming in Python to um, import the serial data and uh, put everything in, uh, in the database. Um, now, the device is not switch, switched on 24 hours a day. So, but the, uh, the, the PC that's running on her uh, room because she is a, a, a Ubuntu user because she had to and she was familiar with Ubuntu games because she liked uh, simple games um, uh, we just left it uh, running and I created a service that was running this Python program and um, only when there were measurements coming from the serial line he would store it in the database so no zero value, values during the day only as soon as the unit was switched on they would be stored in the database. Now, well, what do we have? Uh, we have a database. We have, uh, at the end, we add some 7 million, uh, yeah, that's 7 million uh, measurement uh, values, uh, so well, strings, eh, measure, measurement strings, and uh, that, that should be enough, uh, 7 million. Um so I needed to get the 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 basic heart rate and the zero uh sorry the, the O2 from the string. So I well it, this is plain and simple update data set SPO2 to a substring of the data from 38 three characters update data set uh, uh heart rate to a substring etc. So this, because it was a fixed length ASCII string it, and no stored procedure, nothing hard, uh, nothing hard to do. Just simple, just get the data from the substring and store it in a separate field, and 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 work from that. Um, next thing was okay. Shall I? I need to visualize this data quick and dirty. And what's the best way to visualize quick and dirty? Um, the, obviously, there are other solutions. No doubt, people who are listening to this are thinking, oh, that's dumb you should have used well xyz whatever anyway i so this is in a way a random choice but I, at the end i was happy with it so i used php and and i used jquery and jquery was simple to get a data selector because at the time i wrote this there was no html5 with a nice input type is date and you get a date selector you had to build it yourself so i used jquery for that and then I had to find an easy-to-use PHP visualization library. Of course, I know I, I knew of JP Graph um, because at some time that was the the, the, the all-around go-to uh, graphic library for for uh, visualizing graphs in PHP. But when I was looking at it, and this is back in 2015, it turned out to be no longer the leading uh, library. So. Let's look at what state of the art at that point in time. Um, so there is Google, you know, it's hip, it's happening. They do a lot of stuff, and they have a ch they have a charts JavaScript library. 
well, that can't be wrong, right? It's cool. Wrong. It is. It's. 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 No. This is. It was clearly not for me. It was. I don't know. Too complex. I do too bo- too buggy. I forgot. Um, but it clearly wasn't for me. So I found. I found this other thing. It was dy graph. Do it yourself graph. Dy graph. And basically, what you do is you send it cs csv formatted data, and you're done. So um, I could make an HTML form. Um, every uh, graph that I wanted, I just uh, the, the, the source of it would be a PHP script that would only produce CHV formatted data. Easy peasy, done, working. It includes Zoom functionality out of the box. Yay! And that's when I saw the first results. And um, so I had a heart rate, I had oxygen levels, and yes, they were dipping. Sometimes they were at 65%. Uh, so, oh, no, sorry, that's not 65%. It's the heart rate is 65 No problem there. Uh, I read it. I was reading this wrong. And the oxygen level was, uh, well, on average, I would say 92%, which isn't bad. Uh, nothing alarming anyway. Um so um I was I, I I changed the 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 measurements no I changed the visualization of the measurements to to use small range averages so as in give me the average O2 or heart rate for five or six minutes or something you know then then you can see some more of a trend instead of all the noise if you use two second um uh intervals and and yeah it 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 gave me some pictures but i I wasn't very happy yet anyway um so i i basically in the end i had three php programs i had the index.php which would just say okay i'm going to draw uh two pictures uh two graphics and one would be the oxygen php who would generate csv for the oxygen other one would be bpm for uh beats per minute heart rate dot php uh to give me csv values for the heart rate and then when uh, we were playing around with it during the week, nothing there. And then during the weekend, we could start an experiment. And this is where it becomes a little hairy. But let me explain first before you draw yourself in a fitty. Um, because during the weekend, we could switch the oxygen supply off. Now, this sounds dangerous but she was connected to a saturation alarm so if the oxygen level would become too low uh, the alarm would go off since we had a permanent uh, uh, communication line with her bedroom Uh, the alarm would waken us and we could go down and uh, to her um, she was lying on the on the what is it the ground floor and we were on the first floor and uh, we'd be always in time to because this is so this is seconds it's, you know and you only get into trouble after a couple of minutes so no danger at all but if you supply her with oxygen we could never measure if she needed oxygen and that was what we needed to find out 
So at Friday evening, we switched off the oxygen and, of course, kept the saturation monitoring. Uh, uh, and and this was, of course, um, uh, for also for us still, uh, um, well, not so much. It's not that it's scary, but it's also not that you're... Ex- it's, I, I, I don't know what the word for it is, but it comes close to unnerving, I guess. Uh, so that's my lack of English. Sorry for that. Anyway, uh, what we did see that during the night, we did this the whole weekend because, well, 24 hours was not enough. Otherwise, the polysomnography had given us a good result. So we did this the whole weekend. Um, and what we saw was that uh, somewhere at 3 o'clock in the, in the morning, she would the, 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 the oxygen level would, would dip. Um, would would go uh, uh, what's that a, a downward p- a peak value, let's say. So the first it would go to sixty uh, percent. Uh, the next day it would go to seventy percent. The next day it would go to eighty percent, and it wouldn't be for a long period of time. But um, uh, no, that's wrong. So it first dipped to 80%, then it dipped to 70%, and then it dipped to 60%. Uh, not for a long period, but it, but there was a clear in, in, yeah, decreasing amount of oxygen over time um, every night. So uh, maybe this, I, I see the, still, I still see the graph in front of me while I'm telling this, but it, I know it's hard to explain it. So I'm, I'm repeating it just to make it clear. So somewhere around 3 in the morning, her oxygen level would go down from the normal 90, 95%. The first night, it would go to 80%. And then back up to 90 during the rest of the night. Nothing there. Um, the next night, it would again, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, go from 90, 95 down to um, uh, reward 80, so it would be 70%, just for a few minutes, and then it would go back up again to 1995. And the third night, she would go to 60%. Of course, we get an alarm by then, so we went and have a look, and, well, she was just sleeping fine. Um, and there was not, no, no real alarm, sure. But at the same time, Every morning she woke up, she felt increasingly tired. So it was a sort of an energy drain on her to sleep without oxygen. And we saw a, an, an increasing amount of, of, of um, well, it's decreasing actually, but it's, so it's, it, 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 the, the, the oxygen dip would become increasingly worse. So three days was more than enough for us to convince us. And we went with these uh, graphics to, um, to her uh, physician, who was um, uh, very happy to have all this data and all these graphs. And uh, we could put this doubt to rest whether or not she would actually need oxygen because first it was well you know it's inconclusive we don't know um so when not connected to uh, oxygen during the night the minimum rates will continue to drop during several days ergo oxygen always needed so that was at the end 
the conclusion that we had to take. Um, the physician was happy with the results. We were happy with the results. I was proud because as a hacker, I could do something really valuable with my skill set in, in her health care. And um, uh, at the end of... Um, of the day, uh, so was she actually. So, and she's still on oxygen. This is um, well. It it do, it did have a, a serious impact, but that has nothing to do with this uh, this research. But um, the other thing we had to decide, and that's where Anushka, all she she ha- doesn't have the regular skill set of somebody of 21 it's it's lower than that but still at some point sometimes she can really uh, amaze you uh, by her insights and when we got the oxygen system at home and the saturation uh, measurement device and she knew that these 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 saturation uh, uh, measure measuring devices they also give out false warnings every Every night, if you have a good night, it's one. If you have an average night, it will be three false alarms. And um, uh, we already had our our day job. After our day job, we would have our care job, taking care of her. And that would mean that we couldn't even sleep normally anymore. So uh, if you cannot even rest during the night... Uh, consistently and I'm I'm not talking about uh, sometimes a night that you can't sleep I'm talking about every night that will be broken Um, you you just know when you start down that road that it will be this situation will become increasingly worse for us as a parent so we had to discuss with her um, the option of starting to live somewhere else and she already figured that one out herself so when she was 18, because she was very close to her 18th birthday, she started to live somewhere very close by, and uh, she's very happy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when I'm recording this, I'm just home, and um, I picked her up at where she lives, and we went to a Greek restaurant and had a lovely dinner together with her, and uh, we all, all three of us enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and I brought her back there where they can uh, you know you can take so much better care of her than we can at the end you're just simply exhausted too exhausted to 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 keep on doing this um which would in a way be a nice intro to a podcast about my burnout i realize while i'm saying this but maybe that's something for another episode yeah let's not overdo it at this day maybe this is enough you know for today um so uh yeah that was it uh using nerd stuff and 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 um, open source tools to measure the um oxygen levels of your daughter and to to zoom in on on the the best way of treating and and diagnose uh diagnosis um and well that's it for today um so yeah i i hope you find it interesting uh if you like please leave a comment i 
enjoy the comments that I've read so far on the previous podcast. I enjoy them tremendously. Um, too bad there is no reaction button, so I can't respond to uh, comments uh, as I would like to. Maybe I should record a podcast of the comments, but you know, then you get a sort of um, never-ending cycle of of responding to comments on podcasts, to comments on podcasts, etc. You know, it's it's a never-ending road. So I leave you at that. I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, I would say till we uh, meet or talk or till you hear me again. Okay, bye bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.